Hey, good morning again. Glad you guys came out today. Like we said earlier, it's been a, a really good message series, Truths from God's Word, along with just some practical advice that we hope will help marriages here. But even more than that, some of the feedback we've gotten that's really been encouraging to us, and we, I think we kind of assume this, but it's always nice to hear, even people who aren't married over the last few weeks have been able to hear some truths and apply them to their lives in the very variety of different relationships that they're in. Some of them are dating, some of them aren't dating, some of them have been married before. Wherever you're at in life, though, what's great about this message series, even though it's called Marriage Audibles, is that there's probably something for you in life that you can learn from God's Word. So we started out the message series with a terrific couple up here, Chris and Sarah Cadwallader. They shared with us their testimony about what God's done in their lives And the long story short is they learn through the help of other people that sometimes you need outside help in your marriage to kind of make it through some obstacles that might be in place in your marriage. Then the week after that, the second week of the message series, we had Dick and Carol LeGros who have been, like I like to say, they've been married 125 years. It's an older couple in our congregation. Uh, But they were able to share just some practical wisdom from people who have made it through a lot of challenges just simply because they've been together for such a long time and just shared wisdom about marriage and what that could look like for us, some of us who are a little bit younger as we try to struggle through our marriages. Then last week may have been my favorite today. We had Dr. Bill Balzano up and uh, he's a clinical psychologist. He's also been a pastor, worked on church staffs and he just shared with us the importance of protecting friendship in your marriage. And also how that's kind of connected to intimacy in your marriage. So it was was great. But today, a special treat. We're going to talk about something that probably isn't exciting to talk about. And yet, if you know anything about marriages and relationships, the issues around money are sometimes the most argued about, the most separating. It's one of the leading causes for divorce uh, in America. And uh, we wanted to bring up an expert to share with you just some practical wisdom from what he's learned, and then we're going to tie in some wisdom from God's Word, and hopefully you can leave here with some practical steps that you can take today. Greg, this is a great topic because it really doesn't matter if you're married, single, divorced. Everybody can benefit, I think, from relooking at what God's Word has to say about money and then taking practical steps. So Doug Loftus here on my right is joining us on stage to talk with you about that, but I want to let you know we're going to be talking very practically But keep in mind, we're talking really about a very spiritual topic. Yeah. It really is because money decisions are valued decisions. They're spiritual decisions. And we know this. We've seen in our church when money's not going well in the home, there's conflict. Yeah. There's conflict. So, Doug, before we get started, because this is one of those things where I think people get their guards up a lot. Why don't you tell everybody um, what you do for a living and kind of why it is, be a little Mm self-serving, why it is it's, it's good and you're qualified to sit up here and actually talk about this stuff. Okay. Uh, first of all, I want to start out, this must be Greg and Ben's trick couch. Because when we walked up here, I was a foot taller than you guys. Yes. yes. <laughs> We've they, cut the legs off. Yeah, that's, that so, must be it. We took the springs out, so you sit down. And you, you, you guys are giants. We, we are. <laughs> giants, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have spent the last 30 years of, of my professional life... Um, helping families clearly define their goals, articulate their values, uh, and then taking an inventory of their resources, their assets, their income, uh, building a plan and helping them align their decision-making with their goals and their values uh, so that they can achieve whatever those those goals and values are. Doug, what what I like what we're getting ready to do today is we're going to help people connect their goals 
their values to the way they actually spend their money. Yeah. We, we know this, Greg, that the way a person spends their money, if you look at your checkbook, and the way they spend their time, if you look at your calendar, over time, that's a good, accurate indicator of where your values are. Yeah, so, and a lot of times it can sneak up on people. I, I think people have values in their mind or in their heart, and then you live life, and a lot of times something has to happen before you reflect back and realize, all right, I had these values and I live my life, but they don't really line up together, and especially as it relates to money. We've seen, as we've been doing church together and just life together for a long time now, as we've seen healthy marriages and marriages that aren't that healthy, that this issue with money is a challenge because early in marriage especially, I think most of us don't give it a lot of consideration. I know that's not true for everyone, but I think it's true for a lot of people. And it's often not until you're too far down the road of having managed money poorly that you want to react to it, and then you got a, a deeper hole to climb out of. So what we're hoping to do today is say, hey, if you're already in that position where money's kind of got a stronghold on you, we're going to give you some tools that might help you to at least yeah. begin to take mm-hmm. some steps. But also, maybe you're sitting there thinking, this isn't for me because money's not a challenge. Maybe you just have a lot of it, which is terrific. Or maybe just you're kind of doing a pretty good job. We still think we might be able to help you put in place some things that will keep you from getting yourself into a deep situation that maybe you don't need to find yourself in a little bit later down the road. Doug, you and I were talking, but we um, kind of worked a, a working definition of success here. That success at the end of our days really is looking back and saying, I've lived the values I wanted to live. I've had the life I want to live. And that's a challenge with money because it doesn't happen automatically, does it? No, it doesn't. Uh, I think the, the biggest challenge is uh, we're not taught finances in school. We've got math. We've got history, we've got science, uh, but we're never taught how to deal with money. And so a lot of it comes from what we learn from our parents. Sometimes that's good, sometimes that's bad. Uh, But when you're making decisions on a day-to-day basis without any plan or destination uh, in place, it'd be like heading on on a trip to California with no map. It'd be like building a house with no blueprint. So I'm going to shoot west and hope I get there. Exactly. You you will get there. You just don't know how long it'll take, when you'll get there, uh, or where exactly you'll land. Yeah, Um, what you just highlighted is true in really a lot of spiritual things. It isn't your intentions that get you where you want to go. Right. It's the direction you're walking in that gets you where you want to go. And so as it relates to money, we want to make sure people get pointed in the right direction. This Set morning. a goal. So right. let me tell you what happened with Jill and I. Um, we, we got married very young. Um, I, I was 20. She was 21. Um, and, you know, that's way too young. But uh, we, we did okay. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a lot of money when we got started. And then she got a good job after college, grad school. I got jobs. And what we found was is that, in general, our income was keeping up with our desires to purchase. So for a long time, it felt like, hey, we're making more than enough money. We're getting there. And every time we'd get an itch for something, it felt like somebody got a raise. Well, that worked really good through our 20s. But about our 30s, we weren't making the dramatic climbs uh, in terms of our income. And we started feeling the pinch. Sure. And then our desires continued to grow. Our tastes, as we like to say, matured. (laughs) And now we had a certain amount of credit available to us. Mm -hmm. And so we did what a lot of folks do. Uh, You know what I'm getting ready to say, right? Heard it a lot. (laughs) (laughs) We pulled out the magic plastic and uh, we began to swipe and buy things and noticed that again, our income no longer was keeping pace with our desires. But we felt, and this, this is what's strange, we felt to some degree we're working hard um, we're doing pretty okay. Now, we didn't really know how we were doing. You, you we deserve, kind of, we, you deserve exactly. those things. Yeah. We deserved this. Right. 
And what we didn't realize is what we were really buying was not a few weeks of pleasure of this item, but literally years of pain trying sure. to manage it later. And, is and this common? Absolutely common. I, I see this. It's, and it's really uh, not even consistent or, or uh, in line with income levels. It happens at mm -hmm. all income levels. It doesn't matter whether family's making 40,000 or 30 or 40,000 or they're making six or 700,000. Without a clear intentional plan, it's it's very it's impossible. I wouldn't even say it's very difficult. It's impossible to make effective decisions. You want to make with the resources that God blesses you with. You want to make the most effective decisions you can, uh, consistent with with good values and goals. So when you and Jill are making those decisions at the age of 28, you're not thinking what effect is this going to have on my children's educational fund. What's it going to look like when we get to 55 or 60 or 65 and we want to retire? No, because those aren't fun discussions. They're not, and they're, <laughs> and they're so far in the future, right. but they are goals that creep up. All of us have learned. I've unfortunately been around for a few years at this point. You know, those years go by fast, and one of the greatest assets that you have is time, and you lose that time without having a plan uh, in place. So if you make those decisions in the future, you have far less stress, you have far less anxiety because you've taken that into account in your decision making early on. Well, you mentioned stress and anxiety, and, and here's the thing, Jill and I have never had an argument, but we've had some pretty intense discussions. <laughs> <laughs> we've had some pretty intense discussions about money. And what's ironic is it was really easy for me um, to look at her and say, honey, you shouldn't be spending money this way or you should be helping us manage this way. Yeah. But the truth is, is we both had the exact same capacity to spend the money yeah. and we neither one were thinking intentionally about it. So we have a specific thing we're trying to encourage people to do today. And there, there's some, again, some anxiety around this, but we're trying to get people to sit down and think through a personal cash flow analysis. So that sounds technical, Doug. Let's break it down. What, what are we really talking about? Simple. What comes in and what goes out. All right. So what, what, is, what do you see when people come sit down with you at all spectrums of the economic you know, development scale? What do you see when people come sit down and talk with you? What's like the, the first thing? Are, are people aware of what's coming in and going out? Are they not aware? Is this something that we're cognitive of or is it automatic? All right. So the first thing that I see uh, is that usually a husband or wife in a couple situation uh, is in charge of the money. Um, it's a, it, someone just has a more of a, either a, a discipline or has acumen uh, on the money side or, or math or financial so side. It defaults to one of so them as the primary it, engager. Yeah, almost always. Um, and and that's, that's a, can be, not always, but can be a very difficult situation because as you said, both have a capacity to spend. One understands the clear implications or to some extent understands the implications and feels the pressure. Um, and, and so I always encourage, in fact, I learned very early on in, in my practice when I sit down with a couple, um, if it is a couple, um, today I actually won't even take a client that is a couple and work with just a husband or a wife, right. simply because it is impossible to, both, both spouses make decisions. Yeah. And if you're going to align the household decisions and priorities with the goals and the values, both people have to understand the implications. What's really beautiful about this is the conflict that happens. The reason we're calling an audible on this and saying maybe we should stop, look down the field and change the right. play is because 
It's the conflict that happens around the money. Sure. It's that we both have a spending capacity. One's maybe carrying more of the burden. The other one gets accused of being aloof. But the, 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 the solution is pretty obvious and direct. Get both people at the table discussing the realities that we're both living in. Sure. That, but that's hard because it doesn't happen. It, it doesn't happen naturally. Uh, I, there are disinterested spouses yeah. all the time. And, and that makes it very challenging. I mean, I think it's, it's you have to, in order to do it effectively, in most circumstances, you, you have to have both spouses on board. And that comes down to just your simple decision making. Um, you know, I, I look at, when you're thinking about kids' education, you and I had this discussion. Um, you know, you, you break your budget or your cash flow into three items. One is must-haves. These are the things that you have to have. You've got to have utilities stop you. This is really good stuff. This is going to be simple, and it's stuff you can think of on your own. I have a business degree. My wife has an MBA, and we screwed up our finances because we didn't do what we knew to do. Yeah. So tell folks, sure. this is something to write down. Go ahead. Okay. So, so you have your must-haves. You've got to have a, a roof over your head. You've got to have food. You've got to have transportation. Now, we can debate what level of transportation. But right. there are things I that need are, a new car, Doug. Y- yeah. Right. <laughs> you, you, you might want to seek some consultants some I obviously on, need on selecting to. new cars. <laughs> I, I just had a major problem with my brand new car. I'm so angry. And Doug told me. He did. Doug told me. He's like, I don't know if I'd buy that car, Ben. And, of course, I know better than Doug. And so I did. And now I'm in the middle of a real mess. But anyway, so, go ahead. So you have your must-haves, and, and those are the necessities. Then you have your need-to-haves. That's kind of the next level of items. Items that are, I would put them above conveniences, but they're they're important. And then you have your nice to haves, um, and and must have, need, need to, have, to have, and nice to have, and nice to okay. have. Uh, and and you rank and and the importance of cash flow, of knowing where your cash flow is going, is then you can start to look for opportunities when you're underfunding a goal, or or you haven't even thought about a goal. You don't have a clearly articulated goal. Um, you you don't you don't think about when I when I head to Starbucks and I borrow, buy a four dollar and fifty cent caramel macchiatos. Uh, you know, is that necessary? If I'm stealing from my child's education to buy a caramel macchiato on the way to, to work every yeah. day, well, that's or stark stealing right. from my co- my kid's yeah. education. Well, wow, well, I think I mean just to interrupt for a second. I think that's one of the major challenges in this whole scenario is. You say we need to know our cash flow and consider, you know, the ranking of things that we either want to have, need to have. But I don't think we think about cash flow. I don't think we think about where our money goes. I know Amy and I, we've been married now almost 21 years. For most of our marriage until recently, the last seven, eight years, I couldn't, have tell, you, I couldn't tell you where we spent our money. I mean, I knew the big items. I knew the car, the house, the whatever. But all the, the lattes and the dinners out, we didn't have any idea where the money was. It didn't matter because at the time we had enough of it to where it didn't, we didn't feel the pain of it. And then you started working for a church. Right. And then <laughs> <laughs> I realized, this yeah. stinks. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, and I don't believe in general people make intentionally poor decisions. Right, yeah. I think it's, right. it's out of lack of knowledge. Yes, and, exactly. And, you know, Einstein once said that uh, in the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over yes. and over again, expecting different results. Yeah. And, and without a change of behavior, uh, and you need something to, to base that change of behavior on, you're, you're going to get the same result. And 
the most insidious part of the process is if you are spending more money than you have in, have coming in, uh, then you end up with credit card debt yes. or you've taken equity out of your home. I think the, the worst thing ever invented was a home equity line. I can remember in the 70s when U.S. Bank was the first in town to, they were, I forget what they were at that time, St uh, not Star, not First Star, maybe? First National Bank of Cincinnati. Anyway, they came out and said, you know, you can, you can borrow $12,000 against your house for your vacation in Australia. Well, what happens when your vacation's over? Right. <laughs> You've got $12,000 of debt to pay. So, you, so you're paying for 15 you, years or 30 exactly. years. Exactly. Right? So yeah. where I was going that, with that quickly is that, that when, you make, when you make your decisions and, and you measure, it's all about choices. You've got to know what those choices are and the implication of the choices. Getting so, that information to the table. So when you sit down with somebody, you say to them, we're going to do a personal cash flow analysis, which is simply another way of saying, we're going to look at the money going in and the money going out. Where is right. it coming in from? Where is it going out to? Right. Which is a big goal, identifying where it's right. going. And then we're going to look at your goals and values. What do you really want to do? When you get 60, 70 years old, where do you really want to be? Those two pieces of information are pretty clarifying, aren't they? Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And, and where that comes out in your decision, in your day-to-day -day decision making, if I'm funding my educations and I know that I'm going to, that is a value, that's a value to me and my spouse that we're going to educate our children either all or part of uh, so that they're not left with enormous amounts of debt. Um, you know, we have a trillion dollars of student loan debt in this country now. It's the largest form of debt other than mortgages. Um, yet, at the same time, we, have, we feel like our children deserve ballet lessons and gymnastics. And, now you're meddling, and, Doug. And I, I know. This is, and, and again, I have a glass house here in some of these cases. Yeah. So, but but at, at least I'm, I'm funding my goals. Mm -hmm. so, so the fact is that... that um, You've got club sports. You've got lots of decision-making uh, that goes on on a day-to-day, month-to-month basis. And if you're spending $2,500 to $3,000 a year funding sports activities or lessons or something like that, uh, that's, that same money for over a 10 to 12-year period of time would have funded four years of tuition at a state college. So if you're doing just, that oh, you, in the absence. Do, do that one more time. Okay. Um, I'm spending how much money a year? 2,500 to 3,000. Let's say that you've got a, I'm familiar with numbers around sports. So yeah, that's you, a big deal. You do a lot of soccer yeah. and select stuff. So if you're playing club sports and you're traveling and you're eating out and you've got all the expenses around that. Uh, and I have, my, my boys were involved in, in activities, and you're not funding college educations. I mean, I hear this rationale, well, you know, we're, I'm investing in their future so that maybe they'll get a college scholarship. Well, the college scholarship is right there in the money you just spent on equipment and training. And, and again, I'm not, I'm not by no means advocating you don't do those things for your kids, you, but you have to look and say, okay, where are my resources going? And, and are, does that fall in the must have? the yeah. need to have or the nice to haves and you look at the the how you deploy your assets or your resources and and decide okay this is consistent because what happens is all of a sudden your children are 18 and you have no money set aside and you've got a $20,000 expense to go to UC or to go to Ohio State or if you want to go to a private college 40 or $45,000 mm. and those things creep up on you and then right behind that comes your retirement goals and you know, 65% of Americans have less than $25,000. I'm not sure how anybody retires. I mean, we'll probably all work until we're 80. 
yeah. uh, because yeah. we haven't properly allocated. And we're in a spend, spend, uh, you know, we're, we're comp- constantly com- bombarded with lifestyle purchases. I mean, yeah. bigger cars, bigger houses, bigger this, bigger that, flavored this, flavored that, you know. And they're not wrong, but they may not necessarily be the have to have. Absolutely. I mean, do, do, do all the children in the, does everybody need a smartphone? You know, I see people come in. According and spending, to my nine-year-old, yes, they uh, do. They, you're right, but you know, you and I, you and I lived with no phone, and, right. and you know, yet, yet I see you know people come in and they've got a three hundred or three hundred and fifty dollar a month phone bill to Verizon, and they've got a two hundred and twenty dollar bill for internet and cable. So they're spending six hundred bucks a month between cable and phones, but they're not putting anything away for it for retirement. They're not putting anything away for kids' educations. Yeah. And I think that some people are experiencing what is the absolute um, dynamic that shuts down this conversation. As you start plowing through this, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And emotionally, it's like depressing. And I bet there are some folks sitting here today thinking, oh my gosh, I'm just, I'm behind the eight ball. The good news is there's great opportunity to, to, to get on path. And, and okay. I think that's, that's the key. If, if the cash flow exists in most places, to, to meet your goals, maybe not, but, but the way you deal with that is then in the future as you have employment opportunities, you might get a raise. Rather than turning that raise into consumption, you turn it into savings. You put a little bit extra in your 401k plan. You get a 2% or 3% raise or a 5% raise. And yeah. it, it, you, know, you take most of it, and if you're, if you're not funding your goals currently, you bump it into a 401k or after-tax savings or a Roth IRA or whatever's appropriate in your circumstance, and you get on path, and gradually you right the ship. But if you don't know where the ship's going, mm. you're never going to be able to make the, the mid-course adjustments to get there. So, so ignorance is not a friend with finances. It is not. Information is, is, the, right. is the key, right? Yes. Where's my money coming from? Where's it going? We call that a personal cash flow in and out analysis. Correct. And you, we, you've developed a tool. In fact, you shared it in our small group with a bunch of guys that get together. And it's a phenomenal tool. And in a few moments, when we take next steps together. You can check one of them and we'll send you this tool that lays out some of the must-haves, need-to-haves, would like to have. It, it, hel- it helps you do that. I can't define that for anybody, right. but it helps you identify in your budget. It, I do this with Every single client. In fact, if, I, I, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head, but first thing I do with a client is we go through a discovery process to do what I, I, I told you. We go through several sessions to talk about goals and values. Nothing financial, just simply goals and values. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we can get those clearly articulated. We want to know the destination. Yeah. Financials way down the line. Then I hand them a budget sheet. Uh, and I, I use budget or cash flow. I use cash flow has a better sound to it than budget. Yeah, budget and, just has a negative connotation. It, it does. It? So we use a cash flow statement. And what I, my goal there is I don't put anybody on a budget. All I do is help them identify where there's unnecessary expense or waste in, in their budget and where they have the resources to get back on, to get on path or, or more importantly, maximize. There's a lot of people in here that are saving and doing well. They still have, they still have, waste that they're not necessarily yeah. aware of. And, and so you want to maximize your decision. No, nobody wants to waste money. I mean, it's, 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 there's better things to do with it. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're in the Bible. We're called to be stewards of all that God's given us, our, our gifts and our talents, but also our money. And the right. Bible's not silent on this at all. I mean, yeah, it's not Greg. In the new Testament, Jesus talked about money more than any other single topic. He talked about money, but even prior to him, all throughout the Old Testament, money's always been this right. thing since, since it's been around that 
humanity has struggled with right. prioritizing it and managing it the right way. Um, you and I have talked about this verse a lot from Jesus because it's been a big deal. But he says, truth will set you free. Yeah. Not ambition, hopes, working harder. Getting that information, getting the truth about where we are in front of us, looking at it starkly is the beginning of freedom here. So I want to share with you quickly five big lies that the Bible dispels, brings clarity to, brings truth to from the Bible. So here's the first one. See if you relate to any of these. All I need is a little bit more. This is what Jill and I felt regularly in our finances. If we could just make it a little bit more, where could I, you know, get a bit raise? Is there something right. else I could do? Is there some multi-level marketing thing I could join as a way to... When the truth is, is here's what the Bible says in First Timothy, that people who want to get rich, I'm just going to read the first line, fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. We have to deal with, on a spiritual level, our desire for more and more and more. That truth and that area in our hearts will begin to bring clarity here. Let me give you another one. This is one. The reality is that one alone is what most people need to be hearing today. Yeah. Well, there's two ways to have enough. One is to keep getting more and more, and the other is to be satisfied with what you have. Just like Doug said, we're bombarded with this. You got to have more. And I think I know I fall into that trap. Well, and that's why this is a spiritual discussion. Let me tell you something. This is why I think the enemy loves it when you fight about money in your house. Because he knows Jesus is right, truth will set you free. And if we can make this so emotional and right. so mysterious that you never discuss it, you don't ever get freedom. And that's what God wants for you here. He wants you free. Jill and I felt the pressure on, on our desire to want to give. We couldn't give like we wanted to because we were upside down. Mm-hmm. And that's where we felt it. That's a big value in our family. I want my kids generous. Most we couldn't live it out. That. Most people don't feel that. Really? They just don't give? <laughs> really, Doug? Is that yeah. No, I, I, you know, and I think a great barometer, and I would assume it's true for you guys, I look at my parents, and when you define income and money and happiness, my parents live on, on almost what I would consider pocket change, and, yeah. and, 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 and they are as happy and yep. content as yeah. could be, but that's the way they grew up. Yes. What, what also concerns me in the long run is what we're teaching our children. Because we're teaching our, we, most of us, at least in our, I'm, I'm a lot older than, or older than I look, but, but. You're, you're 85. That's <laughs> <laughs> great for 85. He's a great 85. No, uh, the, the fact is that most of our parents that, that grew up in the, in the 40s, 40s 50s, 50s right. 30s in my case, uh, you know, they didn't have a lot. They didn't have all these niceties. Right. And, and my parents came, my, my grandfather was a was a furnace operator at Alcoa they don't need much to be happy yeah, I right. mean they you know I, in fact I would argue in my experience in 30 years money almost brings dissatisfaction yeah. because you've got it you want more you do yes. and and it becomes a problem let me give you another one here's one Jill and I have here's a falsity that the bible dispels it will all work out somehow I just kind of roll the dice we're gonna get there it's all gonna work out but here's what Proverbs 21 5 says careful planning puts you ahead in the long run, but hurry and scurry puts you further behind. Careful planning. That's what we're talking about here. Look, not what does Doug want me to have. What are my goals? What are my wife's goals? We get to the table, we lay out what we have, and we shoot towards the goals we have. Here's another one. It will work out, Ben. It will? You just won't like how it works out. <laughs> well, that's it true. will happen. <laughs> All right. Number three. Here's, here's a falsity that Jesus brings truth to. He says, uh, we sometimes feel, I can't change anything or I'm stuck. You, you were talking about this. That's yeah, not true. Yeah, there yeah. are tools. We're going to give you, if you want, if you'll fill out your Connect card with a clear and legible 
email address, yeah. and you check the right box, we'll send you the tool you're talking about to begin to get the... But I have another tool I want to give you. It's the tool to help you figure out where you can find money that you're already spending that you maybe not need to spend. I'll send you that one as well. But you can begin to take steps, can't you? It doesn't matter how far you're behind. Yeah. You really can. Rarely do you find a situation. They're, they exist, so I don't want to everyone... You know, Some people are in a situation where it's very difficult to, sure. to, to change. But the vast majority of people can make changes to move right. more towards where they, yeah. their, their goals and, I and think values the would be. The deeper you are in the hole, the more hard it is to believe what you just said. Yeah. Um, but the reality is if you never take a step, no matter how small it is in comparison to the debt you currently have or how upside down you are you're never going to get yeah. out of it. That's and nothing exactly. makes you feel better than starting to make small positive That's exactly steps. right. Yeah. So the, the verse here is Proverbs 14.23. All hard work brings a profit. It may not get you where you want to go as quick as you want to go, but it will take you there. But if you just talk, it only leads to poverty. I love that passage. That's Here's, profound. That's profound, isn't it? You've got to do something, right? You do. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. All right. So number four. Here's a myth. If I could just catch a break, then I could get my money under control. I need something external to happen to me in order to start dealing with this. Not true, right? Not it's true. It's really a decision we make inside. Hey, winning the lottery helps a lot. That would be, sure. a, that would be an ounce. But, I, but I have prayed. I've told God I'd give him 90% <laughs> of the $100 million. Right. <laughs> if I could just win. Negotiations yeah. with God. Realistically, you have to make your break happen by changing your decision. Maybe. Yeah. So Proverbs 6 says, go to the ant, you sluggard or lazy person, a person who doesn't want to engage. Consider its ways and be wise. Here's what the ant does. Nobody has to command it, and nobody is the overseer or ruler, and yet it takes time to store its provision in the summer and gather its harvest. And here's our last myth we want to bust today. More money will make me happier. You said this earlier. It's just not uh, true. The problems change. It, 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 it's, you know, above a certain level, above a subsistence level, I see more problems with money than I see without. Yeah, so a major um, missionary said it this way. He said, money is a wonderful servant, but a terrible master. And Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, you can read the passage later, about a parable that you have to be careful because if you make your life all about money, then you've missed the entire purpose of living. And when your life is over, what are you going to have? So you yeah. have to make spiritual investments and values investments. So yeah. we want people to move towards a personal financial cash flow assessment which is about getting the truth to the table. Here's another thing I want to encourage you to think about. What if you and your wife sat a monthly coin and calendar meeting? That's what we call it in our house. You get together for 45 minutes a month and you look at your previous 30 days. Where did we spend our time? Did we spend it the way we wanted to with each other, with our kids? Where did we spend our money in the last 30 days? Where did it come from and where did it go in reality? And what does the next 30 days look like? What minor tweaks or major tweaks do we... Right. What if you did that once a month and it wasn't only when you got angry or you couldn't pay a bill and so now you're pointing fingers and trying to figure out what if this was a set calendar meeting that you guys talk... I think, friends... I think it would change the tone of the money discussion in your house. I think you would start living out your values with time better. I bet date nights would happen more. Men, and I don't, I don't want to be crass here, but I bet if you looked over the last 30 days on intimacy, I bet at that coin and calendar meeting, you might be able to have a conversation with less emotion around intimacy in your marriage. Yeah. I think it would really propel. This is simply shining the light, bringing truth to the thing. Yeah, and being intentional about it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, for exactly me, one of the is. hardest things Jesus ever said is, if you want to know where your heart is, you look where your treasure is. Yeah. Uh, and that works forward and backwards. I mean, you can take a quick inventory 
of your treasure, which is where your money is, and it really is a reflection of your heart and what you value. And I think for, for Amy and I, the thing we had to do was just take a step back, take a look and realize it, it, obviously our treasure is where our heart is, but that's not where we want our heart to be. Right. And so we had to do a little heart work and just kind of re, recenter ourselves around what our priorities were. They were priorities somewhere back in the back of our head, but they weren't in the forefront and we weren't acting on them. That's right. So um, if you're in a position where you'd like some help, um, the way you do that here is you take your connect card and you make sure there's a legible email address and you write under prayer requests and comments, I'd like to sit and talk with somebody about my finances. Then when you get an email from us, you don't act like a bonehead and not respond. You'd be surprised how often with this one it happens. People say, I need help. They're feeling it now. And then they don't respond. And then we'll link you up with somebody that will help you uh, sit down and say, where does the money come in? Where is it going out? And what do I really want to have happen with my finances? But if you don't make yourself available to that, it won't happen. So um, would you like to right now say thank you to Doug for coming up here and bringing some clarity to this conversation? Doug, thank you. All right, so right now, um, why don't you grab out your Connect card and let's take a few steps together. Now, it wasn't maybe as clear to you because in our culture, money seems very unspiritual, but this is a very spiritual conversation. And ultimately, at the end of the day, we believe that making Jesus the Lord and master of your money is the right way to do it. And you begin that by having a relationship with him. So if you'd like to have a relationship with Jesus, but you don't have one, I'd like to give you an opportunity right now to have one. It's very simple. You acknowledge, God, I'm a sinner. That's simply a way of saying, I'm not perfect. I've blown it. And I'd like you to cover my sin. And I'd like you to lead my life just like you're in charge of the universe. I'd like you to be in charge of me. And the Bible says that if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that you want Jesus to be Lord, that he is Lord of your life, then you can be saved. So I want to give you a chance to do that right now. Around here, you check next step A and we send you some information about that. But in a moment we pray and in your words or you borrow mine, you say, God, I'm not perfect. I want you to lead my life. Would you forgive me? I want to follow you with my life. In all of its ways, I want to live the life you have for me. I hope some of you are making that decision right now. And how about next step B? You want to go public in baptism. We did that just uh, last week. We celebrated new life in Christ, new relationships. If you want to do that, check the box. Put the card in the offering bucket when it comes by later. That's how you turn them all in. And we'll communicate with you about that. Or next step C, just drilling down on, with brass tacks right here, all right? I'm going to work through the personal cash flow document, if you're married, with my spouse. If not, of course, you can do it alone. I'm going to do that. Check the box. I will email you this week that document, and you can work through it on your own. Or how about next step D? Here's the other tool I have for you. I'm going to think through the finding money document with my spouse. This is the list of things that maybe you could cut out of your budget that maybe aren't have-to-haves. You think they're need-to-haves, but really they're want-to-haves. And by cutting them out, Jill and I are cutting cable. Um, we, we, just, we, we have a goal we want to meet financially, so our cable in our house is disappearing. There's 130 bucks right there. Um, so there's some things you can do. I'll send you that if you check the box. And then this one we didn't even really talk about, but some of you, this is it. This is the next step for us financially, next step E. I'm going to pray this bold prayer. God, I need to have your blessing on my finances. And I'm going to today take a clear step towards obedience with my giving. And I'm asking you to show up in my money matters. Jill and I have found, when we pray and say, God, we're going to follow you with our giving, we have found that a spiritual dynamic kicks in in our finances. I think that some of you honestly just need to take that step. So let's pray about these things right now. God, thank you for this uh, marriage series. 
where we have seen your hand at work. But God, I also want to acknowledge that there has been an enemy pushing back. Some folks have had more arguments. Some folks have had to confess some sin. Some folks have had the emotional scars pulled off of their relationship. But God, you've been there through it all. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that your words in the gospels would be true here in this place, that we would grab hold of the truth and it would set us free. Father, the enemy has too much hold in our finances. He has too much hold. And there's too much bondage there and there's too much fear and guilt and shame and disobedience. So Father, today we individually and corporately take a step in the life that you have for us. I pray, Lord, that folks today are making a decision to accept you as the leader and as the forgiver of their life. I pray, Lord, for folks that are going to have some honest conversations with their spouse. I pray for those that are making a decision to have coin and calendar meetings. God, I pray for your freedom and your spirit to reign in money in the houses at Four Corners. And God, I pray that your believers who have been walking in disobedience with giving would take a step in the right direction today. Pray it all in the powerful name of Jesus, the strong Son of God. Amen and amen.